welcome to the Light the Path podcast series, an initiative for women at Roche by the International Women's Network, or IWN, here in Asia Pacific. This series aims to encourage all our listeners to inspire women at Roche to carve their path towards achieving their purpose, career, and personal goals. When we proactively and passionately light her path, we advocate for her, we build her confidence, we increase her presence, and we unlock her potential. This ultimately builds an inclusive environment where all employees can be their authentic selves and thrive at work. Hello, everyone. Welcome and thank you very much for taking time to join us today in this panel discussion in conjunction with the International Women's Day, or in short, IWD. Our team today, which is also in line with the focus of IWD this year, is Break the Bias. It's in your hands. My name is Brian, and I'm very happy to be the moderator of this panel discussion, where we will have a great opportunity to discuss and hopefully raise the level of awareness of some of the unique challenges facing women here in APAC. Today, we have the honor of the three distinctive colleagues from very different parts of our organization in APAC joining us as panelists. Ashwarya, Brenda, and Yasoda, very pleased to have all of you here. Now, before we get started, shall we do a quick round of introductions by telling us your name, what do you do in Roche, your location, and perhaps you know also share one diverse fact about yourself with the audience today. Can we start with you, Ashwarya, followed by Brenda, and then Yasoda? Thank you, Brian. My name is Aishwarya Nair, and I am the Technical Service Specialist for Tissue Diagnostics and Molecular Diagnostics here in Roche Diagnostics India. Brian, like you asked, one diverse factor. I'm the only female service engineer in the team here with almost 120 male colleagues. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Ashwa. Uh, my name is Brenda Xiao, and my Chinese name is Xiao Yihua. So now I'm the China Launch Excellence Project Lead in Roche Pharma, located in Shanghai, China. So today I'm happy to share the dimension and my story of my stay in Europe since 2016, and some story of Roche Open Network from a female Chinese perspective. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Brian, for this opportunity to share my experiences and insights. So my name is Yasoda. I'm based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and I'm currently in the Roche Services and Solutions Organization in a strategy and transformation role. One diverse fact about me, um, I've had a multicultural upbringing, born in Malaysia, but my formative years were spent in Singapore, in the UK and the US, and now back in Malaysia in a global role. I've also had a diverse career path, starting off in investment banking, finance, moving on to HR, strategy and transformation, and somewhere in there, I've taken a career break. Thanks, Brian. Thank you so much. So without further ado, let's dive into our first question for today. And it's really a question for each of you. Can you share one experience where you have faced prejudice in your life? And more importantly, how did that make you feel and how did you respond? Can we start with you, Yasada? Yes. As I mentioned, Brian, I took a career break. And when I wanted to return back to the workforce, many employees questioned my commitment. So there was a bias against me actually taking a career break. And they didn't value my experience during that career break. And this was really disheartening to me as the skills I gathered during my break in terms of caring for my ailing mother, supporting the development of child education curriculum for an NGO, facilitating creative education programs, 
supporting charities, improving my own personal fitness goals. I think these skills were really, really important for me when I came back into the workforce. And I don't think I would have realized what I learned in terms of discipline, patience, Mm -hmm. resilience and empathy. And when I came back into the workforce, I felt that this really helped me to be a far more effective leader. Thank you so much, Asuda. I mean, it's certainly not an easy process, right, to transition back to full-time work after a long career break. How about you, Brenda? Um, Actually, in my society, there are many little things. Won't say too annoying, but many ladies had quite similar experiences and even many many of them take it as normal in the society and the culture such you know it's quite a headache for my parent to have a daughter uh, when I was young I play um, skateboard or always keep my hair pretty short like a boy uh, because that's only boy in Asia keep short hair and even re- have the relationship with girls so when I was young I had a dream to study medical legal or become an army doctor but eventually, I realized those universities only recruit male candidates. I think that's kind of a prejudice or institutional bias. So at the moment, I feel quite confused. I don't know the rationale behind and a little bit upset since I haven't had this kind of stereotype picture before I was educated by this thing. So I can do only nothing and accept that. And I can only pick the one with the realm of my gender. So because of that, I naturally have more respect and the favorability to the people with jobs upside to this kind of gender stereotype, such as a police woman, air woman, and a male nurse. So I always take care of the minority in the community. If I think something is a bit unfair for them, just because of this stereotype of gender. So this is my story. Thanks so much for sharing, Brenda. Now, I, I know you spent a couple of years working in Germany and Switzerland. Did that experience change the way you saw yourself? You know, living in Switzerland brought me really a lot of facts about the Western end of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people, they don't know, Swiss government gave women the voting rights until 1991. That's a surprise. Mm-hmm. And the people around actually treat ladies with a lot of real respect from their deep heart, I can say. But the salary gap between the gender is still there, right? 50% ladies don't do the full-time job because they need to take care of the family. And this is because the consideration of the high pay from the daily care. So what I would say is the social norm or the mindset may have a little bit different between the Western and the Eastern, but with regards to the civilization progression. But the institutional situation are a bit quite similar as we all live in the long history of quite a periodical society and the change of this convention quite takes time. So I would say the year the experiences living in Switzerland bring me a lot of insight and make me feel like more courageous and more acceptance of myself as a female and a member of LGBTQ member, but more pressure and a little bit of concern as a non- English native speaker, a Chinese a Asian in Europe, since there is most visible label uh, to the society and in the workspace. Now, can we turn to you, Ashwara? Um, yeah, so I, I was in third year college when job interviews, campus interviews began. And uh, I had also applied for a specific company and, and I got cleared in the, in the initial rounds, like the aptitude ones and the JDs and landed on to the personal interview. And I was, I told myself, it's just a personal interview. It's, it's communication and I can do that very well. 
And I walked into the room and the interviewer looked at me and said, don't you know this is a service job? It's for men and not fit for women. Please leave. And for a second, I was like, okay. And like you asked uh, Brian earlier that how did it make you feel? I felt I was so hurt. I felt like crying. I was in college and I came out of the room. And then I kept thinking that I was not fit for the role or I was not competent enough for the job only because of my gender. There could have been reasons, right? I could not have been competent enough because of my skills. I may have lacked some skills that the job required or my scores probably did not match enough. But only because of my gender, I was asked to leave the interview. So that was something that at that point was really not okay. Thank you so much. Now, now if I might ask um, a little bit further. Now, obviously, you know, you went past the interviews and, and now you are on the job for several years. But reflecting back, um, did you face any stereotypes or feel the pressure to put in significantly more effort just to prove yourself that you are equally as capable as your male peers? Um, yes, very much. Initially, when I used to work on field and I used to visit customers, I could sense that, that little lack of trust and disbelief that customers would see when look at me and when I was servicing instruments with those spanners and tools in my hand. And they would probably think, is she going to do it? Is she going to make it? And I put a lot of pressure on myself, actually, I would say, to prove it to them that I can do this. And maybe that they don't look at me the way they do today or they don't look at other women, that women can't do the, the non-traditional roles. So, yeah, I mean, I took a lot of pressure on myself also to prove myself back then. Thanks a lot for sharing. You know, one, one thing that really strikes me after listening to all of you is that, you know, while your experiences are uniquely different, there is one commonality that leadership does play a big role, right, to create a more diverse and inclusive organization. Now, in your opinion, what kind of mindset shift do you think leaders need to make in order to create that exponential change relating to bias and stereotypes in the workplace? Can I perhaps invite you, Bendra, to take this question first and then followed by Ashwarya or Yasoda, you know, can chime in after that? Yeah, sure. I think that's a quite a good question. And leadership is critical and important to create good culture for the organization. So if I can offer an invitation, I think open mind, don't take anything as granted. Always ask why to people themselves. And also ask people boldly if you have some question or you have some curiosity of some label, whatever the label link with. That will be a good start for the leader to open a conversation or dialogue for a better understanding. A lot of fears and bias come from misunderstanding. So this is my comment. Yeah, even I would say like gender, gender oriented prejudice is a big threat to women's career. And that in turn leads to gender bias at workplace. And seeing women there at leadership roles, I would say inspires other women to even take up these challenging roles and come out and perform and even work in an environment where there are few females, but a lot of other males, but you can equally challenge yourself in those environments. So yeah, seeing women at leadership roles will definitely make a difference. Hey, Brian, I sum it up as inclusive leadership, right? And I think there are three mindsets that are really important. Is this empathetic listening to really understand and seek to understand without making assumptions. 
It's self-awareness as well. It's about being curious about the differences, but also having that humility to accept differences and diverse uh, perspectives. And for ourselves as leaders to also be vulnerable, to acknowledge our own biasness, but also to be open to learn from our own mistakes. Thanks so much to all of you. Now, obviously, leadership you know, plays a really important role in order to kickstart the, the process, the effort of raising the level of awareness, you know, within the organization. But beyond leadership, you know, eventually we, we need the entire organization to truly believe and embrace in this, um, the power of the diverse and inclusive um, teams, right, within our organization. Is, is there anything that perhaps, you know, organizations can do more, right, to help break barriers for women, right, um, so, so that we can fully unleash their full potential and then break the barriers. Can I direct that question to you, Ashrara? Yes, see, even I know a lot of a lot of women, a lot of girls who are passionate and who have chosen their own career paths. But being there, I know the opportunities are really few. Really, mm-hmm. really few. And mm-hmm. what organizations here can do as a bigger part is create this awareness and normalize working of women in in such leadership roles and in organizations and you know, like you said, in gender-oriented roles, in non-traditional roles, if we can just normalize the working of women, it, it will definitely make a change, I think. Thank you. That's a big debate when the organization trying to figure this question because affiliates have their specific culture and the traditions. So that's probably the challenge for both sides. I mean, one side is the employer side from the affiliate leader, from the senior leaders, and one side from the employee themselves. What I observed and my experiences told me is even in your specific culture, like the traditional culture, and for example, in my culture, even many families, they prefer boy than girl, but still many families, they don't follow that. They just believe in what they believe. And that's the reason I think as a Roche, as a great multinational company, why we roll out DNI as one of the key pillar in our 10 years ambition, because this is what we believe. This is what we believe and we create this culture. Finally, we can contribute the best product to the patients. And because of that, I wish people to really open mind to ask them the question, they, what they can do if they believe in that. If they don't believe in that, they can also question themselves why they stay in the company if they don't believe in that. Probably that would be a good start point to have the base of the DNI culture. And I believe, I personally believe, as the people I have touched with here, Roche has a very good basis on that. That's super true, Brenda. Now, Yasada, I, I know you wanted to chime in. Now, I got to hold you on you know, for, for a few more seconds now, because I, this is really an interesting point that Brenda has just brought up. Now, you spent a couple of years in Switzerland and Germany, you know, before returning to Asia. Um, I just wanted to, you know, ask you whether or not you were concerned about being more open, you know, when you return to Asia, which, which is generally a more conservative society. Very interesting. I have some uh, reverse culture shock, mm-hmm. which I also talked with many of the expats who born in local Asian country, culture or country, which perceived as the more conservative culture, then they come to some Western or more open, we, we think that is more open mind. But I think, I believe people, human being, they are the same. It's more about your personal journey, how you recognize and how you build up your self-awareness more than how the society requests you to do something. It's all about your own belief. 
And those journey, I mean, from a more conservative culture to a more Western culture and then return to the conservative culture, I believe I build up my own belief, religion of myself, how I should behave, how I should bring the energy around and what is the right thing, what is the equal thing should do. It's not only under the social or organization request on myself. Thanks so much. Um, now I'm going to come back to you, Yasuda. What, what's, what's your view on this? You know, what, what more can organizations do in our joint effort to help break the biases for women? Yeah, I think, Brian, you know, just based on my experiences, traditionally women have always had to carry the responsibility of caring for their family, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. as an organization, we want to see women thriving in their careers. We need to be able to understand Uh, what their needs are and how we can create a more inclusive environment. For example, let's just see, you know, learn from the lessons of COVID over the last two years, how we've had hybrid working models, which allows more of us to have seamlessly integrate our work and life. And I think also to have role models and in senior positions, uh, women in senior positions talk and share about their stories. I've also spoken a lot about my career comeback story, and I know that that has inspired a lot of women out there to join the workforce and still uh, feel that they can add value in, in the workforce. Thanks, Yasuda. Now, I mean, obviously, this is a journey that we want to, you know, lay open the path that help raise the level of awareness, you know, within our organization to, to make the role of women building, a, I mean, the, the process of women building their career, at, at least not at the level where, you know, it, it, it is a process that is more challenging than their male counterpart. Now, if there is, if you had a magic wand and, and, there's, there's, and you are entitled to one wish, what change would you like to see? What change would you like to wish for? Can we start with you, Ashwara? <laughs> huh. Today, if you ask me, I would, I would like to have more female colleagues on my team. I mean, I've been working with a lot of male colleagues and I'd love to have a few female colleagues on my team. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fun. Yes, yes. I mean, it would be super cool to see more women engineers, right, in, in our diagnostics business. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they'll do good. Brenda, how about you? Okay. Um, Any big wish that you would like to make? Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> if I can change the institutional criteria in the university recruitment uh, process, I still want to be a army doctor to save life. That's the dream. That's the reason why I stay in the healthcare company. But because I don't want a war. So I think maybe a doctor is good enough. <laughs> and the female doctor is also some kind of minority in some area. And I'm happy to be the unicorn or the minority there still bring the positive energy to the society. Okay, cool. What's your big wish, Yasuda? I'm going to go with an intelligent platform, right, Um, that replaces surveys as and has transparency of employees' voice. And this platform basically integrates all the information and finds common patterns Mm-hmm. and uses these insights to find like fit-for-purpose solutions for all of us. And it really removes the biasness or it, it sort of surfaces the nuances of the different diverse uh, employees that we have and also um, surfaces what we can do to support our employees and create this great place to work. 
No, I'm going to throw that same question to myself. Now, um, as, as, as a male, I wish that you know all my fellow peers start to accept women as um as as a key contributor to us in our journey of driving our organization to greater performance. I mean, there's certainly a big role that women can play. Not only about you know helping to add to the diversity of our workforce within our organization, but certainly. That there are many skill sets, you know, of, of, of advantages that women can bring right to the table, which we will be a big pity, right, if we were to just you know lose them because of um society's uh, norms or because of um certain biases that exist within our organization. And I, and and I like this quote very much, right? That um Bill Anderson, you know, the CEO for Pharma shared, you know, women, you know, does not necessarily have to choose career or family. You can have family taking care of the family well, but at the same time, right, having a highly successful career. And, and I think it's not, I mean, we should not put women, you know, in a situation where we have to choose either or, right? And, and this is exactly what I hope, you know, more men within our society, not just within our organization, can see through that. You know, how much more power, how much more potential we can unleash, you know, just by having a more dynamic workforce. And it's not just a separation between, you know, males and females, right? I mean, we, let's also remember that there are also minorities that exist within our society, within our organization who can, you know, contribute equally well to the performance of our organization. Great. I mean, it's been a great conversation with all of you. We, we are coming to the end of our time. So I really want to take this opportunity to thank all our panelists, Ashwarya, Brenda, and Yasoda, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join our discussion today. Now, what you have just shared are topics that we don't bring to the surface regularly, right? Now, let alone talking openly about them. Now, I hope this conversation does not end here and that everyone in our organization will become more conscious about biases that may exist around us and take that first step, that important first step, right, to mitigate them so that we can create a more diverse and inclusive workplace at Roche. And to all colleagues who are watching this, thanks for tuning in, and I wish you all a good rest of the day. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Light of Path. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, sign up for our Coffee Chat series, which will happen in two weeks' time. Our Coffee Chats are a space for colleagues to learn and discuss specific topics so we can all learn about creating an inclusive environment at work. You can sign up for these sessions by clicking the link in the description. Join us for the next episode of our Light Apart podcast.